Welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob, and uh, I will be your host this evening. We have a special guest on tonight. I guess I can make, get rid of that now. There we go. I'm working on uh, posting our stream on the website, um, but I will let both of you introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Trisha. Hey, Mako. All right, so um, tonight we're going to be talking with Mako of the Elahi Spirit Runners um, about environmental conservation uh, primarily. But I know you wanted to talk about the wolves more specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, we've been engaged in the struggle to protect the wolves for about a decade now and uh, really reached a, a peak around 2012 when, um, let's see, control of wolf um 
management is the language they use, but we know that we can't manage the sacred, was turned over from U.S. federal to the states. And then we've seen some uh, uh, really horrendous things like Idaho killing 2,000 wolves, <clears throat> you know, and then uh, up on the Canadian, quote, Canadian side, there was uh, a big wolf call in Alberta because of the tar sands. And the Canadians told the truth about it. They said, you know, um, this, this uh, extraction project is going to affect habitat so severely on the caribou that we're just going to need to wipe out and poison like 500 wolves just to start with. Um, That's horrendous. So we know yeah. that it's really a, a habitat thing and um, the, all of these extraction um, projects put pressure on it. Fracking, mining, cattle ranching, and logging. So, um, you know, we took some time in those early years to, you know, really track down stories from different tribes that show as proof that a wolf is a deity, creator figure, profound to the re, um, restoration of our indigenous spirituality. And, um, you know, wolf being a keystone species is like, it, it improves the, the lives of every other species. And so I say, you know, when we protect wolves, we protect everyone and everything. So I'm still trying to get people to that understanding. One of the most compelling things that I have heard you say is that what happens to the wolves happens to us. Can you elaborate on that some more for everyone so they can gain an understanding of just how incremental they are to the ecosystem and to life itself? Yeah, well, um, so, so colonialism is the main factor that's affecting wolves just as humans. And so, you know, people who come before me uh, noted that similarities between, you know, like the bounties um, on scalps on indigenous people, the same was the bounty on the wolf. And different similarities like that, um, you know, we see the way you know, like mass incarceration, and um, we see like one thing to note is settler. Some one settler study of life is zoology, um, which is basically a whole study of putting things in cages. Um, you know, and so we just note these different things and it's a wolf what happens to wolf happens to the Anishinaabe first people and then furthermore humankind you know it, it it's kind of like 
I don't know, Russell Means one time he was saying, you know, welcome to the reservation because you didn't intervene and 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 stand up for us, you know, now you're going to get dumbed down Indian education. You're going to get, you know, um, these things that we've been dealing with. So, yeah, what happens to wolf does happen to humankind. Yeah, wolf habitat is human habitat. And we're leading up to climate catastrophe. So protecting habitat and large swaths of ecosystem. This is like what should be happening. And going against colonization is the key, you know. Agreed. Um, so I... Uh... Well, Caitlin is dropping some links in the comment is or in the comments as well, um, but I just posted the article, your your blog post. What happens to wolf happens to humankind. Mm. Um, I posted it in the comments, right. so I encourage everybody to read that. Yes, and don't yeah, just stop so there either. Read read the whole damn blog. Or what yeah. you reasonably have time to read. Yeah, it's um, you know, we're we're able to tell our own story here, and uh, the media doesn't want to acknowledge an ongoing legacy of genocide. So there's a lot of invisibilization. Um, you know, then we have different factors within the indigenous communities we're dealing with: neo-colonialism. So some of our own people will fight us so that they can get a, a, a job in education or run for a petty bourgeois office. Um, so yeah, a certain amount of um, communist analysis is is needed. You know, sometimes I, I put a meme up one time with a little line on it and I said mentally you must be at least this tall to ride this ride and that's true like you need that. to have you need to because I've been in all these different groups my resume activist resume is so big I I can't really post it because it makes me a, a threat it's at that point now and so I've learned I, that, I believe that just off of a little bit right. of conversation that we've had mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I've learned the best of all of those different groups and i expect people to have a certain introduction uh, level of prerequisite uh -huh. but we're willing to train people we have education every day mandatory education we put it with a martial arts program so we're trying to transform we're we're, we're growing those revolutionaries one trait of a leader is to be able to train other revolutionaries. And that's what I do every day. Our political analysis is sharp. I think we're challenging a lot of the other groups on Turtle Island to raise their standards. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. You know, we wake up early and we let people know that we're making moves, that we're consistent. You've demonstrated that consistency. And one of the things that really hit me when we were talking the other day was 
when you said, if you really want to be a revolutionary, you have to train every day. And I love the way that you put that. That reminds me of the original Black Panthers because they were focused on mm -hmm. training, on education and outreach. Yeah. And taking care of their people. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Can you tell us a bit about the origination of Alahi and of, you know, the, the wolf story when it comes to the creation story? Um, I, uh, I know that Alahi, Alahi Spirit Runners just started by, you know, I needed to make my own group at, at some point and, um, you know, my grandfather was a senior member of the American Indian Movement, as well as my great uncle. And it's just like a lot of time has gone by. And so there's a nostalgia thing, I think, where people are still waiting for some of these 89 year old men to come and save us. And, um, the, 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 they've backslid on their education and their analysis to where they come out hard like armed resistance in 73 and and now you go talk to them and they're like vote democrat oh. and so people are like well why aren't elders working with you and stuff and it's like a, a lot of them still have a 1970s political analysis and they're really bold about it. They just think that that's all fantastic. And <clears throat> they get around somebody like me and the, sh the charade is over, right? Because our group has, we're about to celebrate 300 direct actions. We have 299. And in 2012, I did 100 direct actions by myself. And so that was when we realized, wow, we just blew everyone out of the water, like Greenpeace, like nobody can hold a candle to us. Um, so you, you brought up earlier people getting involved. How do people get involved? That's a good question. Um, you know, a few years we made list of solidarity efforts people could make and I want to go beyond that, you know, because really what that was, I think, psychologically is people are looking for, they're looking for a cop out or a way just to do a minimal, a minimal thing. And so what I'm really saying this time <coughs> is we, we are a, a mass movement. We intend to be. Uh, of a pan-indigenous alliance nature. And so what I'm really asking people now is just to join. We have a racial analysis of indigenous rule. So our top officer positions are indigenous only, but we also have a unity aspect, okay? This is pretty cutting edge of a unity aspect where non-natives can also be officers, okay? And then beyond that, we welcome everybody that agrees with indigenous rule. 
See? And that's how we're, it's not a theory. We're actually uniting all of the races on Turtle Island. We have all these bickering and infighting about race, but it's not happening at Allahi Spirit Runners because of our seven group rules. There are seven um, barriers to unity. Right. Um, so you, you've brought up Turtle Island a couple times, and just in case anybody doesn't know, uh, Turtle Island is referring to the colonized continent of North America, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I just wanted to make sure before I like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but I, yeah, I so wasn't sure if it was just North America or if it was both Americas, but either way. The point is the people that lived here for thousands of years before Europeans ever arrived. Right. Yeah, and so many of the northern tribes actually share that same creation story. They just might have different animals as the hero figure. The the crow had the duck was the hero, and like the Mohawks and them, the muskrat is the hero. But it's the same story. But yeah, anyway, we really want people just to join Allahi Spirit Runners, get on our education program on the uh, martial arts. From there, you can think about joining a committee. Individuals are not going to be changing anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would I would know because I've been there, done that. All right. And celebrity worship is not going to save us, you know, otherwise Leonardo DiCaprio would have like saved the whole day by now. Okay. Um, but so you really need to join an organization. Individuals, no matter how talented they are, it's not going to be enough. So we have really have to fight that individualism and join a mass organization. It would have to build power. Marcus Garvey, Marcus Garvey say, a people without authority and power are a people without respect. And so that's why we are so disrespected. And, and we've yeah. been programmed not to grab power because we get punished every time we compete. And so some of the elders will say, oh, don't be power hungry. And I have a rebuttal to them. I say their unwillingness to grab power means that they're willing to watch everything that we love die. Okay. Thing, how can you invoke change if, if you do not come together as a collective and actually take that power back to the people instead mm -hmm. of it being held solely in the hands of in, in this country anyways, a bunch of crusty old white men running everything and look how bad they fucked it up. Power belongs in the hands of the people, <laughs> not a few yeah. just have, you know, um, basically Random. anointment to their position because of the money they come from or the wealth that they hold that allows them to access those places. No, right, right. Yeah, so we've been learning a lot of uh, Tureism, Kwame Ture. We've been getting our, our education from the All-African Revolutionary Party. 
and looking at how they built a pan-African alliance so that we can build this pan-indigenous alliance. Yeah. And uh, um, Kwame Nkrumah, in uh, neo-colonialism, the final stages of empire, he has a piece on the limitations of tribalism. And that was really, really good to finally find that because it really... I think it's just a powerful hit against the um, nepotism and the cronyism that has <clears throat> Turtle Island in such a bind, right? I mean, because we had seen in Europe, sometimes there would be kings and they had have many offspring, but none of the offspring were like powerful leader traits. And so we're still seeing that with like wounded knee veterans and stuff have their like refused to pass the torch and they've set it up for their children, but their children didn't display those powerful leadership traits. Is, to be a land defender these days, you have to be real savvy. Like we are the ones that COINTELPRO couldn't stop us. You feel me? And so we were some of us were able to rise to the occasion and some of us were not either they had too many criminality issues or they didn't learn internet security or what what have you you know but it took it takes a lot of courage to be a land defender too you know a tough a toughness and a discipline. Discipline is crucial. That's why the martial arts are so important. Absolutely. It's like you're not just learning how to defend yourself physically, you're learning discipline straight up and respect. How to show up. Yeah. That's a big one. How to show up again and again and again. Because a, a black belt is a white belt who never quit. Yeah. Right. That consistency. And so like back to the 300 direct actions people like you know it's like hey well i can count they say you're not this or that and i say well i can count you know right um caitlin said can you share uh your in the field experiences recently protecting the wolves in quote oregon i like that you put oregon in quotes and why it's so critical in real environmental conservation. Yeah, it's because, well, um, the African and indigenous voices have been absent from this wildlife conservation thing. That's what makes Elahi spirit runners like having a powerful niche, you know? like not to be a follower but to dream up your own thing really but i started going to these wildlife meetings in the early days because like white environmentalists were like hey why don't you go to the meeting and then it's like oh, we need to adopt an analysis where these people are illegitimate because i had seen the going to their meeting like they controlled the process and in the recent article you know i reiterated you know eugenics and stuff that that led up to this and but anyway so it's really crucial that you know 
not only indigenous people, but, you know, we want others to join us in, in, in this struggle to bolster, to bolster our voices, you know, um, and to change that physical reality that, um, we, we believe that we are the rightful steward, so we want these buildings returned to us intact and in good condition. And this political analysis scares the shit out of them. They're expecting some, like, anarchist gonna break the window shit, and we're like, hell no, like, you're in our office. I've, like, I've moved in props and stuff, like folders educational props and just told them hey this is my office i'm moving in you know and that uh, that we want all your vehicles that we want all your tools that we want all your computers because they're ours the zapatistas did that against the cartels in mexico they finally went to the police departments and they didn't destroy the shit they just took all their weapons and were like hey our are, we bought this shit for you. You're not using it. We're taking it back. And so everyone's calling out this mismanagement by wildlife services. Even the right-wingers want them abolished. The scientists walked out. Oregon scientists walked out like a year, year and a half ago. And I was like, damn, I'm glad you did that. Because no amount of no amount of reasoning with these uh, capitalists is colonial capitalists is going to get them to behave in a correct manner. Um, so yeah, it's going to lead to more confrontation. Political change requires force, and we need the whole left to get on board with that. Red power. Oh yeah. Um, so, what all did you do recently in the field? Um, like, I, I know that you were literally out in the field for a while. I don't. I don't know the whole story, obviously. But um, so you know, I've done some some stuff out in the field, and um, you know. It's like being present at some of these places where where wolf hunting is going to occur. Um, looking looking for, you know, where they're doing that at. And um, mostly confrontations. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll like camp out near a wildlife building so I can make multiple confrontations against them. Um, it's a little bit, little bit cat and mouse. Like for people that are looking to get involved, I mean, I could just tell you that much is we don't do the usual settler style civil disobedience thing. Um, we, we try to make confrontation and then leave before law enforcement can come and then come back and leave and come back and leave and do whatever we please. Um, and that has a psychological effect of, hey, you can't really stop us. We're the rightful stewards anyway. Um, 
I really love that terminology. You are the rightful stewards, and there's no other wording for it. Yeah. Um, Caitlin is in the comment. She uh, dropped the link to um, your blog post about residential schools. And I remember mm. uh, when we had our talk yesterday, you were talking about this too. And I can't speak for anybody else, but I was fucking mind blown that there are oh, still okay. residential schools operating yeah. today. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, she posted that that blog post, but do you want to um, talk about that at all? Also, so, Caitlin said she can hear your wolves. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of my wolves with me, and he's excited. Um, well, I only have one now. One, one of them passed away, but... We have Cody left. Uh, residential schools. So <clears throat> we we took this opportunity to, to get our political analysis out there, and and we want to talk about the restoration of Turtle Island. It's in our group rule number one. And so, really, what that means is is it's exposing a hidden contradiction. There is that we have to restore our spirituality. Different, different mass movements had tried to say, come in here and say, well, we don't want you guys to push back against Christianity because it's going to cause a disunity. And I was like, well, F that because we can't heal. We can't solve our problem, this core contradiction, until we push back against that. And so we want to restore some of these religions that have almost faded away like the um Medewan, um is the religion of um you know a lot of the great lakes algonquins uh, ojibways and stuff um and we also recognize that some of languages and and spiritual ways of being are now extinct so we're pointing out this pattern of extinction that colonists leave behind them well, yeah, and that doesn't matter if it's the people that we encounter that don't look like us or if it's the wildlife that we encounter. We right, right. What happens to the wolf happens to humankind, yes. Right. And so the residential school here is a lot of people still have the Stockholm Syndrome and they support it, and it's been almost impossible to confront it because of that um the the level of assimilation on some and i don't mean to be derogatory i just have to tell the truth and i have to tell it in a sharp way like lightning but sherman alexi called them um uh powwow and basketball natives so we have too many powwow and basketball natives that don't get involved in the movement you know and so we got to really like shock that and like shake it up because you can go to powwow all the way down to California and people want to dance and have a good time, but they don't show up for shit for the movement. You know? Um, so yeah, we won't really, we won't really be able to deal with those things until that happens. And, and we have self-determination. So if we were really, I want to bring this back because 
and I'm going to quote Russell Means today, uh, again, American Indian movement is self-determination. Now it's 50 years later and a lot of us don't know what self-determination is. You know, we need to have a workshop on what self-determination even is because we don't know anymore. They're trying to trick us and a lot of us are falling for it. But we can make our own schools. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the most powerful and beautiful things about self-determination is we can make our own schools. Red power. Absolutely. That, that um, should be happening. And if anything, the cases that have been coming up in the last few months where we keep finding countless indigenous children murdered and buried on the grounds of these fucking Catholic-run schools... Yeah. Um, that right there should speak volumes to people of, of why you should be having your own schools and not some shit being run by, by the Catholic settler state, but by settlers, yes, by colonials that are straight up imperialists. Um, it's unacceptable. Right. Yeah, they just have us on the school to prison pipeline now, and we're just like observing it, as, you know. They try to stomp out the rest of our culture and we're i'm trying to get indigenous folks to like to see how beautiful we are again too and because we've been taught to hate ourselves and we've been taught that the white way is better i want to quote um chief john to was a rogue river chief and he had the he had the the foresight to sell, tell these colonists to their face you know after they had like put him in alcatraz because he wouldn't stop plotting rebellions even though he was surely defeated he would not quit and he told them to their face he said hey look everyone thinks your way of life is really good but we'll see how good it is 250 years from now and right now is 250 right. years later and we're seeing that it's shit. The colonial yep. way is shit. It's unsustainable. It has no future. Red power. But yeah, native people are beautiful. They come from people like Chief John. The United Nations. The United Nations, they say... Indigenous lifeways are the remedy for the planet. Mic drop yeah. right there. So I, I don't support them because, you know, Agenda 22 and all that stuff. But say we can make our own United Native Nations. And these people succeed by sliding little bits of the truth in there. See, they're like, oh, truth. Let me slide some truth in there and then build you a prison camp on the side or something. We want to like use that real truth because that's real truth. Indigenous lifeways are the remedy for the planet. And we have no ulterior motives. Um, so John said poverty can limit ability and schools were the first tools of assimilation. So take back the schools. He also said Christianity is a root problem to oppression by a false god as an avatar for billionaires. Well said. Yeah. Um, 
And then Caitlin said, McCo lives on the land most of the time with no secure housing, moving from direct action to direct action. Uh, he lived last winter alone. She brought up the Thacker Pass lithium mine earlier in the comments, but I didn't get a chance to read it, so I'm glad she brought it back up. Um, mm. He lived last winter alone protesting Thacker Pass lithium mine in Nevada. Just him and his wolves and the indigenous people who could afford to get out there trying to stop the mine. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about what went on at Thacker Pass while you were there? Why it was important to you? Um, that's a very complicated situation. Um, could probably take a whole show to itself on that one, but... You know, so as usual, I was one of the very first people to respond to a situation. In fact, the uh, Western Shoshone had called me for help. That Western Shoshone National Council uh, affiliates even. And so people don't really understand, you know, how much how much of a shot caller i have come to be and that people come to me they're like really that light-skinned potawatomi dude that guy runs shit yeah i do get used to it so they contact me and they want me to go down there and of course i do i realize they're being terrorized um and i took the hardest detail it's true and you know, because I didn't get enough support, I was bullied out by um, basically like an environmental group that's displaying some like white supremacist tendencies. Wow. Um, and has a gender analysis that we find incompatible with ours. And eventually like the people was coming to me and they said well you're a warrior society member we have this uh sundance leader amongst us who's a pedophile and we want you to take him out and so i rallied the warrior societies and we removed this piece of shit. and um but the stockholm syndrome was so severe that the abused people were fighting to protect this predator in their community because they were more comfortable with him they knew him you know and there's an inferiority complex that is one of the hugest things in the movement i could just go on for days it's so layered but inferiority complex is when people get upset or feel some kind of way because you do more in the movement because you shoulder a bigger load you carry more responsibility, you get more shit done. So people just, they got to feel in some kind of way, like why is this light-skinned Potawatomi down here willing to suffer in seven-degree weather, and we're not? We live in the tribe uh, at less than an hour away, and we go home at night and sleep in our beds and leave him to take the detail. And they, got to, they get to feel in some kind of way about that, you know. If anything, it should have inspired them. Right. Why so I was, was bullied out of that situation. Yeah, it should inspire, but they can't give respect where respect is due. 
there's another psychological aspect plaguing the movement and that's defiance disorder it's just the inability to give respect where respect is due um and and the the colonists and the white supremacists are going to capitalize on us all damn day and night for that they're going to laugh at our disunity and play us um but yeah so i realized a very difficult lesson there that i wasn't down there to get accolades that was not what the great mystery had sent me to do the great mystery had sent me to cover the hardest detail and to remove this sexual predator who had been plaguing their ceremony areas for multiple generations. So we had to expose and handle his ass. Red power. I commend you for that because there's there's got to be countless children as well as past victims that are now adults who are thankful as fuck that you got him out of there. No, no community okay. should ever tolerate a sexual predator like that who is harming children for any reason. Agreed. I don't care ever. what the fuck else he was doing that they have regard for. Somebody else can do it better without harming right. children. Exactly. Well said. Thank you. Um, I had a question in mind and I forgot hmm. what it was. <laughs> Oh, I think we wanted to touch on the AstroTurf situation real quick while you had me here. So yes. one, one of our group rules we've outlined as a barrier to unity is the AstroTurf, the fake grassroots groups. So, um, you know, and these were like Sierra Club, who has a past history of eugenics. This is like um 350.org who's um been exposed in the 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 movie planet of the humans where bill mckibben finally admits on film that um he is in fact sponsored by rockefeller um even though my friend kat yang stevens exposed this in 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 her article um quelling dissent uh groundwork for praxis shout out to kat uh years years before so we know we know this stuff is going on um there's even indigenous groups that are funded by exxon mobil um the defense department has their hand in this when you wow. sign up for some of these astroturf you need to be sure that they're not sending your email to the defense department they were working with um, Seventh Hour, and um, yeah, it's just it's just wild out there. You know, we 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 ran a drone project out of Portland. That was wild. They tried to set up shop in Portland to get um, um basically for ice. And, and we put so much pressure on them before they could build that project that they left. And that's a, t that's a tip for the youngsters right there. You get these projects before they start, figure out what land they want to build on, and put so much political pressure and physical people in the way that they abandon the project. 
red power. But we found that the Coach brothers are involved in this fake grassroots, you know. So a few of them I can't I can't name drop because I don't quite have all the proof away, but I can tell you how they behave. They'll get into a situation before the real grassroots can, and they'll start hitting up all these basketball games. Pretty soon they'll be like hitting up your own grandparents and shit for donations. Yeah. And then, so also we need to be aware of, you'll be able to see if they have a political analysis that benefits the system or not. Does it benefit colonialism? Does it benefit capitalism? Is it really just green capitalism repackaged? You know, who's, who's sponsoring it? Who's benefiting? Agreed. One thing, when you follow that money trail in its dirty hands, it's coming from. That right there yeah. is evidence for questioning their motivations and what they're planning on fucking doing there. Yeah. Um, yeah. John so said they're trying that. to control the narrative preemptively. And yeah, exactly. They're trying to beat everybody else in and fucking stomp it out pretty much. Yeah, I mean, one one of them said that non non lethal uh, me methods is the best way to protect wolves, and we found that that ideology it it benefits capitalism, and it does nothing to confront the colonial contradiction. So, by what I described, everyone probably knows who I'm talking about uh pretenders of wildlife or something um hey all right i got jokes sometimes um but no 350 there there have been gang stalking me and showing up to places like this is COINTELPRO pro tactics you know like they used to like try to get you fired stalk you at work this kind of thing and now we don't need the we don't need COINTELPRO Pro to do that because we already have people on the left who are really good at COINTELPRO Pro tactics. Yeah, um, Caitlin brought up in the comments that um, 350.org has given up on protecting Atlantic salmon openly, but there is indigenous people still fighting and being told it's not possible. And then she said that you are involved in protecting the Pacific salmon and you're being told that it's damn near impossible now, too. Um, so if you want to talk a little bit about um, the fight to protect the salmon, I, I mean, that's sure. I, I mean, I guess from my perspective, I know that warming temperatures mean warm water and warm water is not a situation that salmon can breed in. Um, but that's pretty much where my understanding of the subject ends. Okay. Well, you know, I suspect we still have rivers that are deep enough that is not going to affect uh, water temperature, such as the Columbia. 
uh, the big river. Um, but it's a water water quality issue. A lot of it out here. There's um, they were just negligent, like full on dumping on the coast, and then there's um this biosolids thing going on where the EPA is trying to sell this um, sewage mixed with industrial and medical waste back to farmers as a cheap fertilizer oh, and wow. the runoff is of course no good um, and it's leading to deformities in the elk uh, where they get cleft hooves and Fish and wildlife has to come out and put them down. Um, when they say that there's no hope, what they mean is more like there's no hope of protecting the salmon unless we end colonialism. That's really the translation. Um, so probably why you're getting indigenous people that still have hope is because we know we can decolonize. Um, one, one aspect, you know, that you would get from anti-civ kind of perspective is that basically we're going to collapse and have no choice, but to, but to be back at more of a simple way of being. Um, and that's kind of exciting for some of us, <laughs> you know, because I've lived in a teepee before and, and, and done that stuff. And, you know, my devotion to the movement has caused me to be homeless off and on for eight years and stuff like that. So we're strong. We're, you know, it's the people living in houses that are getting soft. But yeah, we can protect the salmon. We have to remove dams. We have to end colonialism. Everything, everything about it. We have to build power. If we could build power, we could rival their system with pre-colonial indigenous rule, with pan-indigenous alliance. We could get control of immigration. And that's when you're going to see the attitude change. This is this is the key. This is the kicker. A lot of I don't think anyone's caught on to this yet. People are being too nice. I talked to the Mohawks and they're like, "Why don't you share?" <laughs> Funny, um, but yeah. So if we get control of immigration, it'll be real attitude change because then we'll be able to see. Well, if you want to work with the rightful stewards good we welcome that if you're opposed to that we can now legally send you away in a more humane fashion than what you have done to others so you have no right to complain <clears throat> and uh, this is going to help us give the ability to end homelessness on the continent for all the people that are still here all the people that agreed with indigenous rule, you won't be homeless anymore. Okay? Because there's ability to make your own shelter that even the animals and the insects have. That's been taken away from people. 
by selfish people. So that just won't be a thing here, you know. And that, that will allow us to restore Turtle Island. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm researching constantly. thing that I found out last night was a lot of our old growth forests were taken away to make, they made railroad ties with it. Not only just railroad ties, that wasn't enough for them. They, from our forests, they made all the railroad ties in Venezuela too. Wow. So we realized those are our trees that made North America strong. North America with three Ks, Turtle Island, right? Right. The uranium. I mean, we have an anti-war aspect that nobody else has. They're still trying to venerate veterans of oil wars. Look at them. Look at them. And so we're just flipping the script on that. But they tried to take our uranium and left our waters poisoned. Why the Diné have nuclear wind? Okay. And, and I mean, that just leads me into like, like why we are the strongest resistance is because we are like, we've had to overcome. Softness doesn't make you strong. It's overcoming adversity that makes you strong. It was, you know, and that's why there's like the environmental movement and then the environmental justice movement. Mm, what's the difference? So, you know, these were the communities where the African communities next to coal fire power plant, they build a landfill next to your community. Or, you know, like back to the Diné, it was like living through nuclear wind. Or the, the, the Cayuse on the Umatilla Reservation who, um, um, what is it? Um, Hanford. Hanford nuclear reactor is leaking on them. It's leaking wow. on them. They can't eat the food or hunt the game within a hundred miles of Hanford. And these are things that we're overcoming. All these people complaining, oh, it's too hard to resist. It's too hard to get up and be disciplined and rebel every day, Mako. You're asking me to do too much. <laughs> Well, look at what the people in third world countries are doing. These reservations are third world right here in Turtle Island. Brought our age expectancy down to 40. You didn't see us give up. Right. The prisoners, they go on hunger strike, they get punished again. And they still resist. So I'm asking people to drag their excuses out into the street and publicly execute them. Red power. Goddamn right. Um, so another question, what are ways that well-meaning volunteers and well-meaning activists who want to get involved uh, could do to avoid stepping on toes or conflict uh, when looking to help, uh, what are some examples of good help that you have received in these direct actions? That's a really good question too. Um, people should check with us. Um, the indigenous resistance, 
should uh, build a relationship with us. I tell people you can't be in solidarity with people you have no relationship. So call me, you know, I'm a regular person. If you want to have a conversation and then you're not going to wild out on the phone and incriminate yourself or others, then yeah, talk to you. And, you know, if you're going to schedule like a concert or a mutual aid, maybe check in with me and be like, hey, Mako, you got something big that weekend? Maybe I could schedule it a different weekend so my little mutual aid isn't interfering with your major confrontation. That would be very helpful. As we've seen like it's where we've scheduled the a major confrontation and then everybody went to a concert or a mutual aid and we were like that whoa that can't happen um what is a example of good solidarity people have done um it's what what speaks most to me is showing up so I have had people travel great distances to show up. That's what impresses me. Um, you know, I had like some French Persian people come over like from out of the country and help me, you know, and it's yeah, like, that's, that's awesome. That was meaningful because the people here won't show up. People in my hometown and shit, they're like, they put more, they put more faith in the system than they do the rightful stewards. So they don't, um, and those, those ones really, really is whining. But I, I try not to take it personally because I know like Malcolm X and MLK had the same thing too. Like MLK was not really popular or supported in his own area. And it wasn't until students came down by the buses from the north that really picked up steam. Right. So it's that odd phenomenon that I can like, I can bus in, well, before COVID, I could like bus in re resistors from the, the Dakotas or wherever just from out of state like fierce warriors who want to get down but then the people here are like all timid and on some popularity contest shit um on some cronyism nepotism shit you don't have the right last name even though you shoulder all the heaviest work and demonstrate consistency you don't have the right last name and so that's where we're just like done with this nepotism. We're gonna have to stomp it out. Um, it's absolutely disturbing how many people would rather basically defend the ones causing harm by criticizing those trying to stop it than be part of that resistance that's absolutely fucking necessary. Like, yeah, you know what. What you're doing is a matter of praxis because mm. actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it, it goes back it. again Stockholm syndrome and the apathy that is at the root of the problem of why people don't get off their ass and actually do something to change the things that need to be changed. This is true. And I mean, I think we're all a little guilty of that at this point. Well, besides, besides you, obviously, Mako, but I think all of us are a little guilty of, uh, you know, not participating in the level that we should. Um, Trisha and I talked about this after we got off the phone with you last night, actually, like you weren't calling us out by any means when you made that comment, but we were both like, oh, it shit. Hit home. It hit right. home because we're looking at like, okay, 10 years ago, we had shit. We were going out and doing demonstrating and resisting things every fucking day. And it's been hit and mm. miss. For yeah. Ever since it's been hit and miss. And where there's a lot of people out there whose egos would probably get seriously fucking injured by feeling that hit home. To me, I find it fucking inspiring and lit a fire on my ass and reminded me that there is a lot more to this than just the learning theory together and, you know, even the training that we've slacked on too, but to actually get the fuck out there and take part because bodies on the right. ground that amplifies that voice. Caitlin said we need to get comfortable with being yes. very uncomfortable. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you made me uncomfortable in the very grow. best ways for that. Yeah, that's that's where you go. Um, so thanks for bringing that up because that's part of our aspect of our group is this lightning medicine that came to me in a dream and they used to back in the day lay a lot of stock in, in whether a leader had a vision or not and it finally happened for me but this lightning awesome. it can destroy things but it can make things grow lightning puts nitrogen into the ground to make things grow and so we're to shock people sometimes some people will be repulsed by it, like magnetism, uh, electromagnet, and some people will be attracted yeah. to it. And so you just you just showed that truth of that is that I helped you grow already, and that you're attracted to it. Absolutely, to other, me, that's... other people. It's just, it's so needed to light a fire under some people's asses to be reminded of who we really are and where we're not even meeting our own standards. We're not even hitting where we're setting that bar ourselves. Then we need to get our shit together. Right. So thank you for that. Sorry. I didn't realize I was muted. But I think that, that we, as in all of humanity, we as a species need to get our shit together. Yes. We need to get our collective shit together. We need to get our poop in a group. Mm -hmm. And then dispose mm -hmm. of it properly. And fucking clean everything up. Fuck. We've made a mess of things. You know? Politically, environmentally, every fucking aspect. And a lot of it comes down to what you were saying earlier, too. Getting back to those spiritual roots. Because... The biggest part of the problem that I see, not only between conflicts with individuals, but our conflicts with the environment, is a lack of fucking connection. 
We have been pushed so far away from connecting with each other and connecting with nature, and especially by capitalism, because when all of your fucking time is being taken up by working your ass off to produce surplus labor for somebody else to get wealthy off of and barely get enough of a pittance to justify your own fucking existence, what time do you have left for anything real? It's, mm. it's a fucking problem there that we don't have that connection with each other or with nature anymore. And mm. like I was telling you yesterday, the only fucking thing I can see that might possibly help heal this situation is for people to learn how to sit down, shut the fuck up, and learn from and grow from the leadership of indigenous people to be able to follow the path that you live to be able to reconnect with nature because that is who we really are. And I don't, I don't care what religion somebody is. All of them have the same metaphysical roots that come down to a connection with each other and with nature. And that's the only place where you find truth in the other religions <laughs> to be fucking honest, you know, but when it comes down to it, um, at least what I have learned so far about various Native American spiritual beliefs, it has to do at that core with connection with nature. Because if you're not right. connected, then you possibly care for it or or each other. Well, yeah, and if you don't so care I, for nature, it's not going to take care of you. Right. That's yeah, so I learned game. a lot from wolves and be from having that connection with nature like i never turned my back on the wolves but they never turned their back on me either and so where human beings failed me the wolf never did and the wolf taught me a new political strategy that's why i want you to join Allahi spirit runners is because we have a pathway there's theories and then there's pathways we're done theories we're on the pathways we have a pathway, okay, that can unite all these different groups and get them to stop their petty bickering. And it was demonstrated to me by wolves. Uh, 2015, 2016, there was a wolf pack that was formed that was 400 members deep in Russia. Because just like human beings, wolf packs compete in groups of about 7 to 15. See? But under extraordinary circumstances, they can come together. And so that's where we got this unity model. We learned it from wolves. Think we learned that from people? <laughs> Funny. No, we learned that from wolves. Okay. And so people right now, they're like, oh, McCall, what's so special about your group? You ain't, ain't got nothing. <laughs> well, we have all the political analysis and we have the pathway. Right. They're to be still honest, limiting, them, limiting themselves. We have Africans who are anti-Indigenous, Indigenous who are anti-African, people who can't figure out their gender analysis, you know people who are are hopelessly embedded in neo-colonialism you know um yeah. people people who are too busy uh uh tone policing each other to be anything but impotent 
And so we've, uh, we've addressed all of these issues that are keeping people divided. And we just, we educate on them, but we don't tolerate them at all. Like you get a few warnings and then you are just removed. And some people don't like it. And here's why. They have literally found a way to benefit from disunity. And they're in love with it. Right. It suits them. It's like and so I had to find... At the extreme. The Stockholm at the extreme, yeah. I mean, so I had to finally reach a time where I was tired of suffering and tired of this disunity and and then like angry enough to stop it, but then having the pathway too. And honestly, I learned a lot of it from African communists straight oh, up. Yeah. So People got to get out there and try different stuff. Don't think you know everything and be willing to work. Right. And willing to learn and self-criticize. Right. Um, but what, what you're doing makes me think of what Fred Hampton was dreaming of with wanting to build the Rainbow Coalition 50 oh, years sure. ago. You know? Um, well, I was in the new Rainbow Coalition for a while, so I was able to learn coalition politics, and I learned from the strengths of that, and I was also there long enough to identify the weaknesses and remedy that. Recently, I've had to explain to some of my people, I said, if pantherism was the answer, we'd all be doing pantherism. Okay. I'd be right there with you, but that is not the not the best analysis. It's not bad. It's pretty dang good. But it doesn't it have an indigenous rule aspect. Right. And it so then you've got, context. you've got a situation where it's not anti-colonial enough. Because it's one th it's good to be anti-racist, but it's not enough. We must be anti-colonial. Yes. And so with coalition politics, you're still going to have a situation where like indigenous people can be outvoted by non-natives. And so that's where we were like, whoa, back the truck up. Whose land? Our land. Right. Because <clears throat> this is Turtle Island. The United States right. of America is just a fucking corporate entity that has continuously exploited Turtle Island. Right. And so I would tell environmental groups, it started with me telling white environmental groups. I'd say, hey, I wouldn't like come over to Scotland and Great Britain and bring like 500 Amsters with me and like try to start a rebellion on your soil and not, not follow your leadership or something. I'd be a trespasser. And so that's what you're doing here. And then so Marcus Garvey again, Marcus Garvey say Africa for the Africans. Brilliant. And so thereby that logic, Turtle Island for the Turtle Islanders. Yes. See? So if someone is on white supremacy or black supremacy and trying to organize that way, that cannot be. Not here. 
if you want to set that up in Scotland, I support you. If you want to set that up in Ghana, I support you. But you're on our land, and don't forget it, Red Power. Goddamn right. Because, look, plain and fucking simple, fucking white colonizers came over here and committed genocide in order to try to, you know, gain that power, to steal that power. And they had no fucking right. That's what every bit of what this colony is fucking built on is slaughter and racism and throw in capitalism to the mix because it justifies them both. Right. And I'll put that in loose quotations because there really is no justification, but if you follow their trains of thoughts there, that's what it fucking leads to. And it's horrendous that this is what's happened. But at this point, we need to have people be more aware of that so we can actually fucking fix that. Because sure. there's no excuse for, again, having a bunch of crusty old white men running the government here and running literally everything into the fucking ground. Destroying the people, destroying the environment, destroying quality of life itself. Yeah, that made me think of Malcolm X. So he said, show me a capitalist and I'll show you a racist. Yep. It's because those mindsets go hand in hand. Yes, yep. I agree built on it <laughs> um so while i was out of the stream there for a minute i was watching on my phone and you briefly mentioned your gender analysis do you want to elaborate on that a little bit yeah i'd love to so i got on to this lakota star knowledge teacher and he comes at me like our elders are not the ancient link to the past that you've been searching for. And I'm like, what? Mind blown. And then he starts telling me real Lakota star knowledge. And that's how I know that everything I've heard has been a Christianized um, version of the truth. Yep. And so we literally have tens of thousands of elders that think they think they know and they, sadly they don't and <clears throat> so he starts laying it out and he's like there's a sacred organization you have to understand the Lakota God concept uh, a sacred organization not a singular male entity as the church portrays, but actually members of seven genders. Um, one is every gender, one is no gender at all. One is uh, masculine, feminine, one is uh, masculine, masculine, one is feminine, masculine, one is feminine, feminine. So, all of them are sacred. All of them are sacred. Okay. And then, so there's also like elements of the pipe that I took teachings from where like you 
have these pieces that, I mean, come right down to it, they represent genitalia. Um, and I'm being generous with my knowledge here. Um, at some point, we're all just pieces of a pipe. But what they're trying to do is get the genders to fight each other. And we don't allow that here because all of them are sacred. All of them are sacred. We've seen groups come out with anti-male uh, gender analysis, anti-trans analysis. Like, whoa, that's terrible. You guys are so lost. Right. Um, and one of the things that I found really delightful about it is some of like the two-spirit and trans folks, LBGTQ folks come to me and they're like, wow, you seem to know more about LGBTQ than us LGBTQ. And we're like, well, we, we are the rightful stewards. We tried to tell you that. Um, but this was not just with Lakota. That we found, then we found the seven genders. The Ojibwe's are knowledgeable of this. The Coast Salish peoples are knowledgeable of this. Um, so this is what can bring the genders together. We have this unity aspect, as with the races we know, one race cannot do it by themselves. You cannot win if you do that. <coughs> this is one of the failings of American Indian movement. Um, and I don't like rip on them to rip on them. As I said, my grandfather was one. I love them. I'm an aim baby, but I'm not stupid. I've learned every way they failed and tried to improve. And so they think they think that they can form a group with just natives and end up getting power, but it's not true. You have to have unity. And so the same with gender is if, if somebody had the audacity to be like, well, we're going to start an all girls group or, or, Hey, it's just, it's just all men in this unit or like, hey, we're going to start like a, a LGBTQ group because we feel alienated from everybody and now we're splitting off. That's all bad analysis because it's not unity. And none of those groups will meet with success. The, the, patri the patriarch ones will fail. The, the women that split off on their anti-male, anti anti-trans, so the, the TERFs, the TERFs will fail. They suck. The TERFs will fail. Um, so yeah, we're just really stressing that unity. And it comes from a lot of time in the movement where I had even helped build, because I was, I was I played a pivotal role in the creation of the Idle No More movement. I fasted with Chief Teresa Spence. <coughs> I gave martial arts lessons to one of the founders of Idle No More. People don't know this stuff, but I made a point to be at the right places at the right time. And so in that movement, it was female leadership we were stressing. And we're nearly a decade into that because that kicked off about 2013 real hard. 
And so the lessons I learned from that and actually spending that many years trying to put indigenous females into positions of power is that some of them aren't ready. They're unready and secondary unwilling. And so we had seen, we call gender sparring is when someone just wants to fight about gender. They don't have any political goal. They're just there to be disruptive as all hell and fight about gender. So you'll get ones in my experience and I had to pull their card. They'll say, well, it has to be female leadership and they'll come in and just try to basically destroy the whole organization and I'll pull their card real quick and I'll be like, I have two or three leadership positions open for you right now. If you can handle the responsibility, the daily education, the prerequisites of this position, you can prove that you're willing to be consistent. You can have this right now. And that's when they duck out. Because they want the fucking uh, microphone for a moment, but not the responsibility of actually doing something with it. It's a lack of praxis. Right. And then me being in a leadership, they, they also forsake that I'm the one who faces assassination and stuff that they don't even have to worry about. Red power. You know, I was the one they put a Black Hawk helicopter down in my yard, you know, flying drones around me. I fought the army, the mounted cavalry, state troopers from two different states, homeland security. So if they want to switch and they want to swap me out, welcome. Show me. Show me that you can apply this. Show me that you can apply this. Red power. Indeed. It takes a lot of strength to be able to tolerate being stalked like that by the fucking government and still keep going. That's tenacity right there, and I respect it. Agreed. Um, So I guess, like, this is probably, I would imagine, going to be a hard question to answer, but what is the number one cause of concern for you environmentally on Turtle Island? Is there a number one, or is it like a a list? (laughs) It's it's gotta be colonialism. And it's gotta be worded that way, because if it's not, they'll try to say like what they did to the Occupy movement. They'll say like your list of demands is too long or something. So I wrote this really great piece called Anti-Colonial and it just lists off all the things like anti-fur farms, anti-pesticide, anti-GMO, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, I'm like, tell me about your single issue struggle again. Right. It's multifaceted. And so it it has to be colonialism. Putting it that way of colonialism makes it all encompassing of all the fucked up aspects and effects that yeah. stem from... That are caused by colonialism. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
and then there's some there's some resources for Europeans to be decolonizing too. We need to unpack the the whole American thing because nobody's really American. And back to Kwame Toure was where we've really benefited from learning that. We're not Native American. We're not African American. There's no American about it. In fact, e in fact, even our European allies are not American. They're European. And they can learn European roots and divorce themselves of this America concept. That's one of the things that I find incremental to calling out white supremacy because whiteness is simply a made up fucking paradigm. Like it'd be one thing, okay, you want to be proud of your French heritage or whatever. Okay, talk about that. But yeah. this this idea of white supremacy is utter fucking bullshit. If you ask a fucking Nazi, um, they'll tell you, okay. Yeah, like if you're dark white um, <laughs> of Mediterranean, like Italian, whatever. Okay, you're not an Aryan, you're not white, you don't qualify. So it's like how how people who have, you know, ancestry that is Italian or Irish or any of that other shit can get caught up in that white supremacy bullshit is fucking beyond me because it's like you don't even qualify according to those people's fucking paradigms. And it all comes down to bullshit. All it is is reaching for any fucking excuse to justify causing harms to other people in order to steal their fucking resources and take power. Right. And right. oppress and enslave. And people in this country love to say shit like, oh, well, slavery, slavery ended in, you know, what was it, 1876, something like that. Um, well, no, it really fucking didn't because, because the 13th Amendment actually provided for slavery via the fucking prison system yeah and then before we touch on capitalism being a form of wage slavery that you don't have a fucking choice but to participate if you want to survive you're indentured for someone else to profit off of your works mm -hmm. yeah there's a native author um John Fire Lame Deer. He was a contemporary medicine man, if you will. But he has some very uh, humorous and ironic commentary on um, capitalism or um, na native communism, if you will. But yeah, he definitely touches on the 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 prison industrial complex, saying, you know, we didn't have prisons here. Um, before the colonists came. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they're using these prisons as a form of slavery and we never had them. The first modern police forces as we know it were uh, created in Great Britain and then the, the ones that here were just glorified slave catchers. So we know that their whole narrative is erroneous and in fact, we should be bolstering the warrior societies of Turtle Island. Right. People, people were talking about abolish the police. Great. But right. what do you, what, you know, what, what's the police mechanism? And so then we were like, well, 
Hi, I'm from a 500-year-old warrior society. I'm still here. I have friends. Bolster us, you know. Like, I literally know, like, the great-great-grandson of Crazy Horse. He's a Warrior Society member. He's a very good person inside. Why not bolster someone like him? Right. Red Power. I have a question then, um, because a lot of people bring this up of, okay, if you abolish the police and abolish the prison system, how to address crime thereafter... Can you tell us your perspective on that? What what to replace that with? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we just go look back at ancient times, some of the methods that uh, we, we use some kind of a restitution. Can you pay the person back? What do you owe them? Um, you know. What about and in that could get like pretty far into it, like even if you had to give yourself for restitution. Um, uh, but we had banishing too, and saying it wasn't always permanent. Sometimes families were asked to leave for like 10 years and, and then be offered a chance to come back. And sometimes they would, and sometimes they'd be like, well, no, we've joined another tribe now and, and moved on or... Um, another one I've heard about was uh, putting people on islands where only grizzly bears live and, and, and stuff like this. Um, and back to the immigration question is we would like to start by sending a lot of like the criminal elements um, off of Turtle Island. Uh, we the, the first waves of colonization were prisoners. The first waves of decolonization could be prisoners, you know. Right. If they're if they're to where we can't turn their turn our backs on them or allow them around our children, then we need to send them away. But the thing that you'll find is that a lot of the countries that they're from don't want them either. Right. And so we're hoping that this really puts that political pressure on them. Like you join the rightful stewards and get under their indigenous rule program or you leave. You know, you can either prove that you're indigenous. You can prove that you're descendant of Atlantic slave trade. And so you've you've been caught up in this. Or, or you fall under indigenous rule, or four, you get off of our island. That's the choices. And so I've had some early, early moral adopters move from here. They say, you know, Mako, it doesn't seem like, you know, it seems like maybe the best thing I could do is just leave and go back to Europe. I was like, okay, that's, that's profound. Right. Uh, whatever in your analysis led you to that, I support your decision. Good luck in the UK, my friend.
I mean, the, the, the funny thing about that, you mentioned that those countries don't want these people back. And I, I mean, that, that straight up is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know how hard it is to emigrate from here to Scandinavia? Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody vouch for you. You have to have a job lined up. You, you mm-hmm. can't just fucking move there. Mm-hmm. That's completely off the table. Yeah. It's very profound. People have a lot of thinking to do. Agreed. Well, um, we've been at it for about an hour and a half, so uh, I, I think it's probably a good spot to start wrapping it up. Is there anything that you want to, like, I don't know, say in closing? Like, anything important that you haven't touched on that you wanted to or anything like that? Hmm. Uh, there's stuff I've already said, you know, but um, indigenous will, rule will unite the races on Turtle Island. And when you protect the wolf, you protect everyone and everything. Red power. Awesome. Um, I would definitely like to have you back. There are so many things that we can talk about. Outstanding. Thank you so much. We are grateful. We are grateful. (laughs) I think this is the least that I've ever talked on a stream, and I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, you have a lot of wisdom to share. You have a lot of experience. And um, I'd definitely love to have you back to learn more. Absolutely. That's what the name in the Lakota that I use, Woksapi, means wisdom. and But not only wisdom, it means understanding. It takes a minute to grow into your name sometimes. But thank you. Yeah. I look forward to talking to you again. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, because this has been a very enlightening conversation, and we need to definitely continue it. many times over thank you i i feel like we have a lot to learn from you and obviously the uh people in the comments do as well emily john and natalie all said thank you for the education thank you for the lessons of the wolf thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing and caitlin also said thank you for doing this thank you very much all right well um have a great night Uh, As for Trisha and I, we will be back tomorrow with um, Bread Theory to do our State and Revolution stream. We will be picking it up at the beginning of Chapter 4. Until then, stay safe and solidarity. Fuck yes.